Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. All right, well, good morning, everybody. Are you here? All right, I thought you were. I want you to lock in this morning. I've been excited about this series for a while. And uh, you're going to have to give me a couple of pieces of permission this morning. Uh, one is I've got to kind of follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. I got more stuff than I can give you, I think, in one setting, but I'm going to do my best. Um, and so I'm going to try to preach until I feel like there's saturation. And then I'm going to stop. All right. I don't normally think that way. I, I kind of think in complete messages, but this morning we may, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Are y'all ready? The second thing is, I'm going to try to stand still. I'm fighting vertigo just a little bit, so if I start doing this, y'all know, okay? Uh, and so y'all pray for me as I do this. I know some of y'all are going to think less of me after I admit to you what I'm about to admit to you, but I can remember as a young boy, I had one of those captain's beds. Y'all know what those are, right? They got drawers under them, and they set up kind of high. Um, and so I had one of those, and uh, off the back side of the captain's bed, there's nothing. It just fits up against, uh, right up next to the wall. You have to leave a gap so that you can... Um, hypothetically make your bed, all right, because y'all know. Okay, so, so uh, I need to admit to you that when I was a young boy, I can still remember that there were times in my, uh, in my younger days where I didn't want to sleep with my hand hanging over the bed because I was afraid that something would crawl out from under my bed and grab my arm, all right? Do I need to have an altar call right now? Don't look at me like that, because some of y'all some of y'all had to have security blankets and stuffed animals and night lights, and, and you wake up in the middle of the night, and there's a, there's a hanger with a shirt on your closet door, and you freak out, and like, okay, so I know, so I know, so, 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 um, that's the way. A few years ago, there was this movie that came out that uh, capitalized and uh, kind of leveraged this idea. It captured it really well. It was called uh, Monsters, Inc. Um, here's the basic premise. In the movie, the, ci the, uh, the city the monsters lived in was called uh, Monstropolis, and it was powered. They gave All the power for the entire city was gained by this. Monsters figured out that they would go through this portal uh, which led through the closet doors of human children. And they would enter the bedrooms of uh, these human children at night uh, through their closet door, and they would scare them, and it would cause the child to scream. And the monsters discovered that they, they could power their entire city off the screams of the children. So the monsters were working at this place called the scare factory, and these monsters were employed, and they were called scarers. And so all of this worked until on one fateful night, one of the monsters left the closet door open, and the, one of the human children went back through the closet door, through the portal, and ended up inside the scare factory. They called her Boo appropriately, and uh, Boo discovered by going into this factory that the mon most of the monsters weren't nearly as scary as they looked or as they seemed, and the monsters discovered, most of them, that the child was not toxic like they thought she was, and in fact, what they really discovered was that they could garner their energy created through the laugh of a, a human child, and so the whole premise of the movie is that they flip it on its head, and now they begin to venture into the bedrooms at night, and they harness the power of human 
giggles. It was a really good movie. There's a, there's a current one coming out, an update coming out right now that you ought to probably watch. Um, but it, it was a fun movie. I enjoyed it. But I just want to stop this morning and say this to you. I think we need to admit that there's still a scare factory in existence today. If we would be honest with one another, then we would admit that our minds are full of mind monsters. I don't know who she is, but I think she's probably right. Nikita Gill said this. She said, the, the monsters were never under my, my bed because the monsters were inside my head. She got it right. Why do we struggle with mind monsters? I want us to go back to the beginning. Adam and Eve allow a scare factory to be built into their minds when they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Join me, if you will, in Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to spend the next few moments of, of, of this, uh, starting off this series, laying some foundational work that will help us as we begin to begin become very specific about the monsters that you fight. I know I'm going to uh, deal with anxiety, uh, the, the subject of anxiety. So if you're fighting anxiety, you need to be here during this series. I know I'm going to deal with the subject of shame. If you're dealing with shame, you need to be in this series. Pastor Andrew is going to address comparison and how we become insecure. You need to be in this series because the truth is, is that many of us are even, even though we're no longer 16 trying to impress the cute girl, the cute guy, and we've graduated beyond that, the truth is a lot of us have carried mind monsters into our adulthood. We're still finding, fighting these same monsters. So let's see how it all started. Genesis chapter 3, beginning of verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not, listen to that phrase, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the servant, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Listen to what he says. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. Hear what the devil says. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Adam and Eve fall for the lie of our enemy. And in doing so, they begin this, uh, this mind monster moment for the rest of us. In fact, uh, Paul comes along, we're, we're going to go into the New Testament, listen to what he says in Romans uh, chapter 5, Paul comes along and he says this, when Adam sinned, sin entered the entire human race, his sin spread death throughout all the world, so everything began to grow old and die, for all sinned. So what's he saying? It should be no wonder to us then that their fall, Adam and Eve's fall, impacted us. What they established, what took place in their lives so long ago inside the garden continues to have ramifications and implications for us. So it's no wonder that the same mind monsters that operated in that moment still begin to still operate in this day and we're still living under the curse of the scare factory. Now Jesus comes along. So, so you got the progression. Adam, the first Adam, sins in the garden, starts this mind monster movement, right? Now, because of that, we're all fighting the same monsters, and Jesus comes along. Need I, need I, I shouldn't need to take time to remind you of Jesus' mission. Jesus' mission is this. He came to redeem us. He came 
to reconcile us. He came to restore us, right? He was trying to bring us back to everything that was lost inside the garden. He's trying to bring that back into a reality, into our life. But then he comes, Jesus shows up on the scene in Matthew, and he begins to tell us that we have a part to play in destroying the scare factory that exists in our life. Listen to what he says. Here's our part. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. We missed it. Jesus says that we must learn to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. I, I don't even have time, so, so there's a lot of ways we could take that. Let me just give you some very basic how we're going to use them in this series just so we're all on the same page. Uh, we're, we're made up of three parts. The first is our heart. Now, I, we can get into a bunch of theological debate, but just for, just for this series, will you go with me and recognize that the heart represents our flesh, right? Uh, our soul is our spirit, so you're made up of a, a flesh. Come on, paint yourself. You're made up of flesh. It still hurts, right? If it still hurts, you're alive, all right? So you got flesh, but inside of you, you have a heart or a soul, right? It, it, it's, it's right? It's right there. It's your spirit. But then Jesus also mentions our mind. The mind is an organ of the soul, and it is our computer by which we store information that we gain through the six senses. Are y'all here? That's how our mind works. We store stuff. Nobody's ever really captured the potential of the mind. We can store stuff that, I mean, come on now. Uh, you hear one guitar lick, and it takes you right back to the 1980s, right? I mean, instantly, you're right back in parachute pants and got the coolest mullet that ever walked the planet just with one guitar lick, right? Why? Because our mind stores stuff. Right, so, so the mind is like the heart. It is a separate but integral part of the soul. So now, are you with me? Are you with me? Okay. Paul tries to begin to explain to, how, explain to us how this works. Since we're made up of three parts, I've got flesh, I've got spirit, I've got mind. Paul comes along in Galatians chapter 5 verse 17 and says this, For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that they cannot do the things that you, you would do. And then in Romans chapter 8, verse 7, listen to what he says. He says, because the carnal mind, he's dealing with all three areas, our heart, our flesh, our spirit, and our mind. So in Romans chapter 8, he says, because the carnal mind is, is enmity, that word means at war, against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So in other words, what he's saying to you, come on, let's be honest. Paul identifies this fact. There is a war going on inside every one of us. I got three honest people in the room. Some of y'all act like there's never any battle going on in you. I just know that Paul, he was, he was right. There is a war going on inside of us. Our spirit and our flesh are duking it out. And then when you put the mind in the mix, there's this constant battle going back and forth because of this war that is taking place. And Adam and Eve established that war in our mind. That's why uh, Paul comes along later in Romans chapter 7, verse 25. And if you don't catch anything else I say today, please catch this truth right here. Paul lets us in on his truth. He's, he's, he's addressing the war against flesh and spirit and mind. And he says this in Romans chapter 27, verse 25. He says, I thank God through Christ Jesus. There's the key. But let me stop right there. You're, none of this will work without Jesus. <laughs> 
Uh, I, I can teach you all kinds of stuff, but without Jesus, none of this works. So Paul says, I thank God through Christ Jesus our Lord. So listen, so listen, listen. He says this, so with my mind, I serve the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. We missed it. He says, with my mind, I serve the Lord, the law of God. What determines if I serve God? My flesh? No. My, my spirit has to overtake my carnal mind. And when my mind is controlled by the spirit of God through Christ Jesus, I serve the Lord with my mind. I'm getting ready to help somebody right now. Another way to say this is that my flesh does not determine where my life goes. My mind determines where my life goes. So, so my soul wants to delight in the Lord. The Bible says that our soul desires to delight in the, in, the, in the Lord. But my carnal mind is warring against my soul and my spirit. So where my mind goes, my life goes. So, so we've got to deal with our mind. Now before you get this all messed up, and before you start trying to put words in your pastor's mouth, let me, let me just come straight up right out of here and tell you. I am not telling you that this is something that you can do with willpower. If you could fix your issues and if you could scare the monsters out of your mind with willpower, you would have already done it. If you could deal with the addictions of your life with willpower, if you could deal with the lusts of your life with willpower, if you could break the habits of your life with willpower, you would have already done it. The only way to accomplish what we're going to talk about is through Christ Jesus. Amen. Only way. So are we clear? So we got to understand then that I can have a new heart. Come on now. We're three parts. Heart, right? Soul, 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 flesh, flesh, or flesh soul, and mind, right? So here's the truth. We don't hear this much in church. I'm trying to help you right here. We can have a new heart and a saved soul and have the same mind. I knew, I knew, okay, I knew, I knew. We don't hear this stuff. We don't hear this stuff. If you don't believe that, let me ask you a question. How is it that you can come into a room like this and praise the paint off the wall and dance in the aisles and amen the message and then walk out of here and struggle with the same mind monsters you were fighting before we sang your favorite song and before you allowed some preacher to preach you into a frenzy. How is it that you can still deal with the same thought patterns even after you've worshiped, even after you've read your Bible, even after you've prayed, even after you've sat through preaching? The reason is, is because you can have a saved soul and a saved heart and never allow that same thing to happen to your mind. If you don't believe me, that's why the Bible says that our mind must, must be renewed. Remember, Paul, Paul deals with our mind all the time. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. When the mind is renewed, the mind becomes released. We begin, to, we begin to be able to be free to operate as God intended in our life. So, I, so I'm glad you're saved. That's the most, I want you to go to heaven. I wanna, I wanna settle for all of the ages that your soul is saved because it's your soul that will live on after you. It is your soul that will go to heaven. But listen, I just need you to understand that Jesus didn't just come to save your soul. 
Jesus came to reconcile your mind. Jesus came to transform your mind. Jesus came to rescue your mind so that while you're living here, waiting on the day that your soul will wind up in heaven, your mind can be freed to operate the way that God intended. I'm preaching and y'all looking at me like I've lost my mind. I ain't lost my mind. You lost your mind. I'm getting ready to tell you how you lost your mind. But we, we lose our mind because this is what happens. A mind that is not influenced by God's truth is controlled by Satan's lies. A, a mind that is not influenced by God's truth is controlled by Satan's lies. We are either being transformed or we're staying the same. If we're staying the same, then our mind is carnal and therefore it is at war with God. Wait a minute, I love Jesus with all my soul. I get that. But if your mind is not being transformed, your carnal mind is at war with the same Jesus that you love with all your soul. It's complicated. But it works. It happens. Listen to what he said in, the, uh, see, see, in your mind. You are constantly being fed lies. Are you surprised? The enemy of our soul has a title. He's got a name. You know what we call him? The father of lies. In other words, if his lips are moving, he can listen, let's don't, let's don't, some of, us, some of us act like the devil can tell the truth. I need you to understand, the enemy cannot tell the truth. He is incapable. It is not in his nature. He, ha, he has no ability to tell the truth. So he's constantly, in our mind, he's constantly telling us lies. Listen to what he says. It all starts in the garden. He says, did God really say? So from day one, he's been trying to get us to question what? The truth of God. The way that you battle the truth of God is you feed lies that combat the truth. So, so, this, so, so he goes on and he says this. That's a lie. The, the serpent says, you will not die. God knows very well that the instant you eat it, you will become like him, for your eyes will be open. You will be able to distinguish good from evil. You will be like God. You will know. Know? Where do we know? We know in our mind. We know. We gain knowledge in our mind. We know in our mind. I want you to listen to what happened. Eve eats the, or listens to the enemy, and she takes his advice. And so in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, listen to what it says. When the woman saw that the tree looked like good eating, listen, and realized what she would get out of it, she would know everything. So we read this stuff and we don't stop to think. She didn't just eat the stuff because it looked good. She ate it because she says, I will know everything. So our enemy gets us to question God's truth, then he convinces us then we, that we will know more than God. You will know. You will know. You will know more than God. You will gain what? Mind power. That's literally what the enemy is trying to convince us of, is that if we would begin to think like him, we would know more than God. Why do people... Ooh, why do, people, why do people do stuff that we know? On the outside looking in, we know that they're doing something that's going to destroy their life and you try to tell them that it's going to and they look at you and laugh at you and think, no, I'm, I'm the exception, not the rule. Because they know. See, we lost more than relationship in the garden. 
We lost more than power in the garden. We lost more than dominion in the garden. Can I tell you what we really lost in the garden? Our mind. We literally lost our mind in the garden. So mind monsters uh, start operating in the scare factory of our brain. And so now in our mind, this is what happens. Please tell me if I'm wrong. Somebody, somebody come get me. Somebody come take this microphone if I'm wrong. Because this is exactly what happens. Now in the scare factory of our mind, we begin to hear things happening, being said to us that, that, that we don't know where it comes. We hear stuff like this. You'll always be like that. Everybody is against me. Everybody. Nobody likes me. I'm talking nobody likes me. I, I, I can never recover. I will always be like this. No one really cares. Nobody. And we begin to believe this stuff, and it isn't even reality. It's his version of reality, and he speaks it into our mind, and because we lost our mind, we actually begin to believe what he's saying, and therefore what happens is, because we listen, we become paranoid, we become hopeless, we become helpless, we become, we, we break relationships, we self-sabotage. Why? Because we lost our minds. That's why. So Paul comes along and he tries to help us again. And he states this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Listen, who are we wrestling against? Principalities. Key in on that word. We wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. He says, Paul says, that literally what's happening in us, in our heads, is this. We are wrestling principalities. Come on, think for just a moment. The root word of principalities is principles. Boy, y'all are sitting down on me. We listen to him lie to us, and then we, uh, we believe what he says, and principles are established in our life that then dictate how we react and how we behave. So, so this is what happened. We allow the principle of defeat to set up in our life. We allow the principle of despair to set up in our life. We allow this principle of anger to set up in our life. We allow the principle of victim mentality to be established in us. And it sets, us, it sets up in our heads. And then we view everything through that lens. That's real good. Because some of y'all operating out of some messed up lenses because you lost your mind. I know you love Jesus with all your little heart. And I know you gave him your soul a long time ago. The dilemma is you're still operating against print. You're still, there, there should have been warfare going on against principles in your mind. And you never have addressed them. So now you still act like you're a victim. And you're still mad at the world. And you're still broken in your spirit. And all this stuff going on. Why? Because you lost your mind. We make monsters. We, we allow monsters to operate in our minds if we don't take some steps. I'm going to give you, I'm going to make it. I, I think I'm going to make it. We're gonna, I'm going to give you three very practical steps that you've got to start initiating. None of this stuff will work that we're talking about in this series if you don't establish these principles, these, these three steps in your life. You've got to diligently and in, intentionally do these three things. Number one, if you're going to defeat the mind monsters that the enemy's trying to bring against you, number one, you must learn to filter. We must filter what goes in. Oh, man, I must be in the wrong place today. We must recognize that there are voices constantly. Am I the only one? Y'all about to check me in some insane asylum. Am I the only one that would be man enough to admit that there are voices speaking to me all the time? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Voices constantly battling inside of me. But the Bible says, gives us hope, says that the sheep learn to recognize the shepherd's voice. So that means God is talking too. The only problem that we have is that most of us are not intentionally and diligently filtering out all the other voices. So we've got to learn to filter any voice that isn't the voice of God. Oh, this is going to get tight. That means I've got to filter out any voice that feeds the principles or the principalities that the enemy is setting up in my mind. Listen, I need to help you this morning. Shifts require strategies. Shifts are not accomplished with strength. You can be strong, but if you don't have strategies, your strength doesn't matter. So, so, so we got to have strategies. So you got to have a plan of action. If you just try to rely on willpower, can I tell you, you will fail. I'm just not going to listen to that anymore. I'm just going to flex my willpower, and I just will drown that voice out. Won't work. Will not work. Will not work. Will not work. You need a plan of action. You must intentionally strategize and monitor what you will allow in. Can I just tell you this morning that if you are going to defeat mind monsters, you must begin to manage the points of entry. Can I tell you that the enemy is constantly, daily, he's trying to find points of entry. And the only way that you're going to keep mind monsters out of your mind is you've got to learn to shut the doors that he's trying to get in. So, so then, if that's true, because some of y'all getting really excited about what I'm preaching right now, then why is it that, that born-again, Bible-thumping believers get angry? I'm talking like ready to fight you in the lobby on the way out. If the preacher stands up and takes the microphone and says, you can't watch what you've been watching, and you can't listen to what you been listening to and you can't read everything that comes across Facebook. Why is it that we get so angry when we are, we are instructed to filter? It's like we don't even believe it. Listen, some of you are full of despair and lack of hope. If I listen to what you listen to and if I listen to who you listen to, and if I watched what you watch, I would be full of despair and lack of hope too. But we always think we're the exception. I'm mature enough to handle it. Principles. I just, would somebody just wake up, just because they produce it doesn't mean you have to watch it. Just because they sell it with their million-dollar hype machine doesn't mean you have to buy in and say, that's good for me, too. Just because it's got a really cool rhythm and beat to it doesn't mean that you need it blaring out of your car. Because, because we better wake up because too often we're feeding mind monsters. So we've got to watch what we watch. We've got to watch who we listen to and what we listen to. You can't feed a monster and kill a monster at the same time. So here, listen to me this morning. If my mind holds my future, then I need to pay attention to who's holding my mind. 
And some of us have been held by stuff that we watched when we were 13 years old and it keeps playing over in the course of my head. And the songs that I used to listen to keep playing over in my head. And we got to make up our minds that we're going to be strong enough and diligent enough and intentional enough to filter that stuff and say, I cannot, I cannot, I refuse to feed that monster in my life. The second part of it is this. Not only must we filter, we must also fight. We, we gotta, you got to remember, we lost our mind in the garden. That means the scare factory is working overtime. So then we must resist what's already in our minds. we got to fight those thoughts. Listen, we've got to retrain our brain. I, I am asking you, you boy, some of y'all really freaking out. Y'all like, I didn't know I was coming to church like this. I'm asking you to do this. I'm asking you to practice mind control. Some of y'all going to be at home going, that's not mind control. <laughs> Paul said this. He said, we forget the things that are behind and we press on. What is he saying? He's saying we fight bad memories. Stay with me. Stay with me. David does this when he faced an intimidating, fear-inducing giant. Do you remember what he did? He remembered. He went back into his memories, right? And he thought about what? The lion that he defeated and the bear that he defeated. Can I tell you what David didn't remember? The times he missed. The, David didn't sit around as he's getting ready to fight Goliath and go, ooh, you remember the sheep I lost that one time? I tried to hit him with the slingshot, but I missed. I was just a little bit wide. I was off on that day. He didn't remember that. Instead, he remembers that he was on the mark. I killed the lion. I killed the bear. And then he does this. He moves out of his memories into a God-given imagination, and he says, you know what, Goliath? I see you already dead. You're not dead, but I see you dead. See, you need to understand that that is the battle. This is a fight. Our mind is the seat of our memories and our imagination. And if you don't control your mind, can I tell you what your mind will do? It will revert back to your memories. And this is what our mind does. Our mind magnifies or minimizes our memories. And the word says that God can do exceedingly abundantly above everything that we've ever even imagined. And so he's wanting us to operate in godly imagination called faith. We see things as if they've already been done when they haven't been done. But some of you can't operate in faith because you're reverting back to your memories. We got to fight. Okay. Some mind monsters come from our parents. And some of them come from our pain. That's nature and nurture. But I came to tell you that regardless of how they got there, you must, and, and the, those things shape how we see. Regardless of how they get there, we got to deal with them because they produce in us mindset. We must deal with mindsets. Why? Because, man, Paul's the bomb. He says in Romans chapter 8, verse 6, he says, for to be carnally minded is what? Death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So in other words, mindsets produce strongholds. Okay, uh, y'all are here, I think. Strongholds are established. Why are strongholds established in your life? For one simple reason, to keep the truth out. The inability to receive truth is the evidence of a stronghold in your life. Uh, man, am I up have I, have I reached saturation point? Okay, I want, I want to see because I hope you're thinking. Haven't you met, I'm going to talk about somebody else because I don't want to talk about you, okay? So just be, just relax. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about somebody you know, some friend, all right? Haven't you met people 
that cannot receive truth? Stronghold. So, so haven't you, so haven't you heard, because uh, this is what happened. In their own mind, something is arguing against the truth they're hearing. So they hear teaching about forgiveness, but they're unable to forgive. Whew. Stronghold. They, you, you, teach on, uh, you, you teach on stuff like this. We're, supposed, we're called to live righteously and in purity. But because they have a stronghold in their life, they can't seem to accept it. You teach on filtering, which I just did, because I ain't talking about y'all, I'm talking about somebody else. And the preacher took the microphone and he preached about filtering. He said, you couldn't watch that X-rated, R-rated, PG-13, these days rated movies. You can't listen to the same boozing, carousing, my dog died, so now I'm gonna kill all my friends. I, you know, I love my cat more than my wife. And, uh, you know, uh, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot listen to all. Uh, you hear a preacher preach on that, and it's just like, I can't accept that. Why? Stronghold. Stronghold. It's an evidence of a stronghold. This is a fight. Yeah, guys, I need you to hear me this morning. Strongholds or principles are only broken how? By spiritual warfare. Weapons, spiritual weapons have to be used. You can't just use positive thinking. We demolish arguments that rise up against the knowledge of God. Truth is trying to come in. That's why we must use what God gave us. So what did God gave us, give us? What Paul says in 2 Corinthians, see Paul's the bomb. You ought to be reading some Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse three through six, listen to what he says. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the war world. On the contrary, listen, they have, they have divine power to demolish what? Strongholds. Then he tells us what the strongholds are. We demolish arguments. There are arguments going on in your head right now. Let's be honest. There are some of you are in your own mind right now. You're arguing, should I drink? Shouldn't I drink? Should I get high? Should I not get high? Should I sleep with them? Should I not sleep with them? Should I steal? Should I not steal? Should I cheat? Should I not cheat? Should I be angry? Should I not be angry? Should I cuss them out? Should I not cuss them out? And Paul says that we have the ability and the weapons necessary to demolish the arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And here it is. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will readily punish every act of obedient, disobedience once your, disobedience, once your obedience is complete. So Paul says that we must capture every thought. That's a fight. We must capture every single thought and bring it into captivity. This is a war. Our thoughts must be captured. We're talking about prisoners of war. If this, isn't a fight, if this wasn't a fight, then why did he give us weapons? Okay, okay. So you don't change your life by changing your life. You change your life by changing your mind. 
That's why in, in, in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, the wisest man that ever lived said this, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Your mind establishes the map for your future. A bound mind results in a bound life. Mind monsters are made when we're not willing to fight. You can't just walk out of here and just go through life and never fight. You got to fight. When the song comes on that sends you back to 1980 when you were getting high, turn the stinking thing off. Fight. When your mind rises up and says, I ought to cuss her out. Let your, I take that thing captive, man. I pull that stronghold down. I'm not going to act like that. It's a warfare. There's warfare going on. And finally, we must focus. We must filter. We must fight. And we must focus. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 says this. You will keep him in perfect peace. Anybody want some peace? Anybody want some peace in this society? Anybody want some peace in this day? Anybody need some peace in their life right now? Isaiah says that you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is what? Stayed on you because he trusts in you. In other words, our focus is a force. Focus is essential. The enemy uses distraction to keep you from focusing. We must focus. That's why it's a fight because here's what he does. He's trying to distract us. We must focus on the right things. The word that frees you is not the word that goes in one ear and out the other. Well, I read the Bible. I sat through some preaching. I've been listening to podcasts while I'm doing 50 other things that multitasking, and the word goes in one ear and out the other. What sets us free is when we focus on the word, and it becomes an accepted word, and it becomes an engrafted word, and we're so focused on the word that it begins to liberate our mind. You are, okay, so here, listen, I'm I'm almost done because some of y'all way past saturation point now. Listen to me. You are not responsible for every thought your mind contains. I'm getting ready to mess. I'm I'm pausing because I'm getting, it's like Muhammad Ali, man. I'm I'm, I'm floating right now, but I'm coming, I'm going to put it right on your chin, right? You are not responsible for every thought your mind contains. But you are responsible for every thought your mind sustains. Dog, I I, I can keep a thought or I can cast it down. If I I can't control every thought that passes through my head, but I can control the ones that stay there. How do I do that? I focus. I focus on truth rather than lies. I focus on what God says about me rather than what somebody else said about me. I focus on what God is saying over my life rather than what the enemy's saying in my mind right now, saying you're never gonna amount to anything. You're never gonna be able to do anything. You're always gonna be who you've always been. But instead, I focus on what God says about me, that I am more than an overcomer through Christ Jesus, that nothing is impossible. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm the first and not the last. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in me. I focus because it's engrafted in me. Philippians chapter two, verse six says, let this mind be in you. I'm gonna read that again because we we love to quote this, but we never apply. Let this mind, there's there's something here happening. I'm giving permission. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let it, give it permission. Give Jesus, give permission for Jesus's mind to overtake my mind so that his thinking overtakes my thinking. This is my last uh, statement I need to make to you this morning. I just need to challenge some of you that you come to church every week pursuing the morals of Christ. And I'm glad you do because I want you 
to live better and be nicer than you were when you got here. But I'm just concerned that a lot of us are pursuing the morals of Christ when what we ought to be pursuing is the mind of Christ. Because this is not about uh, behavior modification. Behavior modification comes when we learn to think like Jesus thinks. I mean, I'm preaching right now and y'all watching a worship team move. Uh, I need you to understand that some of y'all in here trying to figure out, can I live more like Jesus? Dad Gummin, I want you to learn to think more like Jesus because you will never love like Jesus until you learn to think like Jesus. You will never be broken by what breaks Jesus' heart unless you learn to think like Jesus thinks. You will never respond to people the way Jesus responded unless you think like Jesus. Some of y'all acting like Jesus, but you ain't thinking like Jesus. And a lot of us have let him get in our heart. We need to let him get in our head. You must learn to let the same Jesus that saves your soul save your mind. You know why? A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. The problem that most of us in this room are having right now is not that our soul's not saved. The problem that most of us are happening right now, having right now is that our mind hasn't been saved. We've not renewed our mind. And so what's taking place is we, go, we come in here and we get our soul fed and then we go into our real life and we let our mind take over. And so now we're double-minded. We're double-minded. There's mixture in us. There's, there's mixture in us. There, we're, we're, it's like, anybody ever feel like you got a split personality going on? If I could just live like I am in church at home, if I could just talk to my spouse the way I talk to my, my fellow believers on Sunday morning, life would be really good. If I could teach, if I could treat my kids as nice as I treat the kids here, if I could, if I could just walk through life and just be as like, like obedient and, and mild and meek and peaceful and loving as I am in church and then I walk out of here, I get in my car and I go to the first stoplight and somebody cuts me off and something happens on the inside of me and rage rises up and anger rises up and my finger goes up and my... You know why? Because you're double-minded. You're unstable in all your ways. You know the morals of Christ. You know how you're supposed to behave, but you don't think right, so your mind overtakes your act. We must filter. We must fight. We must focus. We must allow the mind. We must give the permission. We must give Jesus permission. Jesus, you saved my soul. Now what I'm asking you to do is there's this war going on inside of me. There's this principle that's trying to set up. It's a stronghold. It's ignoring the truth. It's, it's pushing the truth back. I need you to save my mind. And some of y'all don't even realize, realize what I've just done for you just over the last 30, 45 minutes. I just gave you the formula to the most freedom that you will ever experience in your life. Some of y'all been coming to church for decades and are still as bound right here. And I just outlined for you the process. And I wished I could tell you that all we gotta do is get you, man, we just need to get you to an altar. But can I just testify for a moment? I've been to altars. I've gone to altars and cried out from my soul and walked out just as messed up in my head as I was when I went to the altar. And never once, then never even crossed my mind to say to Jesus, what I really need you to do is I need you to restore my mind 
and let me think like you. I just gave you a ticket for freedom. But it's not an easy ride. Filtering's hard. You wonder why we're being inundated the way we're being inundated with all the junk we see? You think this is by accident? You think the stuff pops up on your screen by accident? You think they invest in money on, on the shows? They, by, come on now, you got a filter. This is a war. You must focus. Father, I pray that in the next few moments, something revolutionary would happen in the lives of the people that are sitting under the sound of my voice and watching on the internet. I pray that in this moment, right now, we would come to a conclusion. We would come to the conclusion that we're thankful for the fact that you've saved our soul. Jesus, I am so thankful. If you never did anything else, I'm thankful that you made it possible for me to go to heaven, to live eternally with you, to be in right relationship with the Father. I, I come to that conclusion. I'm thankful for that. But God, I gotta tell you, there are a lot of the times where there's stuff going on in my head that shouldn't. And out of that, I recognize, I come to another conclusion. My mind has to be transformed. My mind needs to be renewed. My thought patterns need to be interrupted. And so Father, I pray that under the sound of my voice, there will be people in this place that will latch on to this truth that I've tried to share today. And in this moment, they would make up their minds to follow Jesus in their minds. They would no longer just pursue the morals of Christ. They would begin to think like you, Jesus, so that now they think like you think, so they can behave like you behave. Set our minds free. Set our minds free. Help us to love you with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. Father, I pray that we would begin to practice filtering. If it means giving up a favorite show, if it means turning the station on the radio, if it means blocking voices out of our life, help us to filter. I pray that we would be ruthless. Ruthless about it. God, I pray that a fight, I pray that the fight that's going on inside of us would shift and we would learn that we can go on the offensive and we would fight. We don't have to think this way. But you don't know my past. We don't have to think this way. You don't know what my parents are. We don't have to think this way. May we begin to take every thought captive. May we begin to tear down every stronghold. Jesus, we give you permission in this moment to address every stronghold in our life, in our mind. Any area that I'm not willing to allow truth to come in, God, I pray in the name of Jesus, I cast it down. I take it captive. I go to war. I take it as a, a prisoner of war in the name of Jesus right now. And Father, I focus. I focus. I refuse to become distracted by anything else. I focus on your word and I apply it into my life in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me for just a few moments, for just a few moments, and over these next few moments as they sing, would you just begin to practice mind control? I'm gonna control the thoughts. That I, 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 worship him in your soul, but worship him with your mind for just a moment. Give him permission.
going on full operation up here would you do this with bow your head close your eyes because some of y'all scared to raise your hand in front of everybody else if you're here this morning and you're battling your mind your mind your mind would you just raise your hand i'm battling yeah depression anxiety fear insecurities yeah doubts yeah 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 addictions brokenness yeah but i thought i thought i was saved yeah you are your mind's got to be transformed so father we speak to our minds we practice what Paul said we could practice. We capture the thoughts. We, we're not responsible for every thought, but we are responsible for the thought that sets up a mindset, a principle, a stronghold in our life. And so, Father, I come against every principle represented by the hands that went up in this house, in this house of safe, saved people. People in relationship with Jesus, all the hands that went up. God, we declare over us right now in the name of Jesus, give us the mind of Christ. We ask you for the mind of Christ. We allow, we give permission to the mind of Christ to come into our mind. We do our part. We do our part. We, we filter. We fight. We focus. We do our part. But we're asking you. We're allowing you. Even in areas where we would once resist. Even in areas where before we might fight you. We allow you. We give you permission right now. God, overtake our minds with the thoughts of Christ. We we, we focus and set our minds on things above, not below. We focus and set our minds on things that are pure, things that are holy, things that are noble, things that are of good report. God, we think on these things. We retrain our brain in this moment. We give you permission. I come against 
every principle of the enemy that set up a stronghold in the lives of believers under the sound of my voice and I declare that the Son can set us free that the mind of Christ can overtake our mind that he is his high his ways are higher than my ways his thoughts are higher than my thoughts I can give in to the mind of Christ I let you think in me I refuse for one moment longer, one day longer, one week longer, one month longer, one year longer, one decade longer to think like I've always thought. I make up my mind to think like you, Jesus. And I pray that as we cast down every imagination and every argument that is rising up inside of us when we leave this place, I pray that instead we would step up and we would be diligent and intentional and we would fight that thing off. Set us free. Come on, lay your hands right there on your head right now. Come on, do it. Do it. I, I, I anoint my mind right now. I take authority over my mind. I rewire my own brain through the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit right now. Jesus, establish your throne, not just in my heart. I pray that now you would establish your throne in my head, in my mind. I, I make you the Lord of my heart and my soul. But now I declare that you are the Lord of my mind as well. You will determine what I think. You will determine what I believe. You will determine how I behave, how I operate. I give you full reign and rule over my mind. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the, and I come against the thought that's even going through our heads right now saying nothing's going to be different. Nothing's going to change. But I declare in the name of Jesus right now our minds are free. And we are singularly focused on Him. And everybody that believes that Jesus has that kind of ability and power and authority, would you please declare amen? So be it. So be it. I agree with you, Jesus. I, degree, I agree with you, Jesus. I agree with what you're saying, Jesus. And now, out of your, the depths of your soul, running through your mind, would you begin to just declare how good God is? I declare that you're good and that you're worthy to be praised, that you're higher than I am, that you deserve to be magnified, that you can override everything that's happened to me. You can override everything that's ever taken place in my life. I'm not who I used to be. I don't have to think like I've been told. I have to think I'm yours. I'm yours. And you're worthy of praise. You're worthy of praise. I'm about ready to close this thing, but I just, I, man, I sense this. I, 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 would you just let the thoughts of Christ run through your mind for a few moments? Some of y'all been letting the, the thoughts of the enemy run through your mind all day long. Would you just let the thoughts of Jesus run through your mind for a few moments? Well, I don't know how Jesus thinks. That's the problem. 
let him think through you for just a moment. Some of y'all are facing impossible things. Let him think through you because he's thinking stuff like this. Nothing's impossible with me. Don't you remember? I could bring people back from the dead. I could walk on water. I could turn water into wine. I can give you provision where you don't have any provision. That's how Jesus thinks. Jesus thinks that he's going to make you a victor. Jesus thinks that he's going to make you more than an overcomer. Jesus thinking all about the strength you got in you right now. Come on, let him think in you for just a moment. Let him think in you. for Jesus, just fill my mind with the thoughts that you have for me. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.